Great. Welcome back to uh, Clearly Aligned podcast number six. Today we are talking about the patient's first visit back uh, to the office. So the first time we're seeing them back after their initial delivery. Uh, I'm Kelly Tyrrell and I'm here with the founder, uh, Dr. Stephen Schelk. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you doing? Good, good. We're both hustling and moving. <laughs> Playing around. I know, I know. The, the struggle to find times when we're both available is real. <laughs> exactly. I'm like packing my microphone in my suitcase <laughs> half the time now in case I can catch you. But I'm home. I just got back from Niagara Falls. It's March break here. Uh, perfect. So, uh, yeah. So we're just, uh, you know, trying to make it fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> trying to make it fun, but still working. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, and Claire's oh. sick for the 16th time since she's been born, so oh. snotty noses. And um, it is amazing how much snot children produce. Yeah. Like, I had no idea that was humanly possible for such a small creature. No, and it's so <laughs> sad when they can't breathe, like they're just so stuck or whatever. Oh, I know. Just like I never thought my heart could break the way that it does when I hear her coughing at night oh. when she's trying to sleep. And, and do you have the hydrosense? I, I'm sure you do because our no. airway doctors. Do you, do you? Do you? You don't have that dolphin mist or whatever we that you squirt not. up your nose. No, we oh. haven't. I'll have to oh, check yeah, that you out. Gotta do that. I mean, I you feel bad for them as you wrestle them to yeah. squirt it up your nose. Um, but then, um, you know, then there's like the little sucking out mm. tools oh, yeah, or whatever. Have that. It's yeah. like a dream. Okay. Uh, and then they have hours of freedom. So okay. you're the bad guy for two minutes, and then all good. I can live with that. All right, I'm yeah, gonna have to check that out. Yeah, check that out. I'll send you the link to that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, we'll have to put in the show notes, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> awesome. So, so we've had our amazing um, initial delivery visit. We've set our patients up for success. Their bag of goodies, and um, you know, we haven't heard from them, so we think all is well. And then, you know, most of us have we either send our patients off for. Sometimes if you're new, you send them off for a month, four weeks, and then eventually, most of us, I think, kind of land at eight weeks. I think that's like a happy number, would you say? Do you think for newbies? Uh, yeah, I think for newbies, somewhere, like, I think the goal would be get to eight weeks because okay. seeing them every single month is so inefficient. Um, we now, and we're not going to talk about it today. We talked about this already. We're, we do dental monitoring, so that kind of changes some of our protocols because the dental monitoring allows us to virtually check in. But um, prior to doing dental monitoring, or if we have patients who don't want to do it, normally we're going to be putting them on a 12-week 12 12 protocol at our practice. Right. Um, right. But yes, I think a good baseline for a newer provider would be eight weeks and then maybe mm -hmm. build into 12 weeks. Yeah, I agree. And I, I do, I, as much as you like to watch things that you're new at closely, I think because we tend to withdraw the money from their credit cards um, monthly, you kind of want to separate the visits from that money factor. Um, it, it definitely don't do it on the same day or get caught up in that. Um, so I think eight weeks is happy. Like, you've got a great plan, you know, you've been educated by us and you've got a great plan. So like, let it roll. Um, and then we book them back. And how, how long is your, your check visits? Like your in-office visits? Uh, it depends if you're uh, combining anything else, but if it was mm -hmm. just going to be a check visit, you're not doing IPR, you're not taking pictures. Uh, you could probably do like 20 minutes. Yeah. We I agree. often will book half an hour just because we have half an hour slots for most things. Okay. And then that way it just keeps things clean. For example, yeah. on like a refinement or a finishing appointment, we could go with a 40 minute appointment, but instead okay. we keep that to half an hour as well. So that just kind of allows, like if we're a little bit late on the one appointment, it flows into the next one. 
but that's not a big deal if you have like a, just a check appointment next to a refinement appointment. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. Are you similar? You're 20 minutes ish. You think? Yeah. Um, yeah. Most of our appointments are 20 minutes. We have 10 minute intervals. Um, and again, yeah, you can do a lot in those 20 minute visits. And I, I, I like that same idea. We either have 20 minute slots, 40 minute slots or an hour slots. And those hours are either like our initial starts or D bonds. And you could make those bigger if, if you're newer and you need more time, but eventually you start to shave it down and, and get more efficient. Um, but having just a few different slots that um, are very interchangeable um, for different procedures makes sense. So yeah, definitely uh, 15 or 20 minutes for a check appointment. And I mean, usually we can get the IPR in there too, if it's not that first giant yeah. round, if there's a lot of IPR. Um, but and Especially uh, if you're doing IPR, like how we do IPR. <laughs> yeah, zip, zip, zip. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Smooth and easy. No hand filing, awesome. no pizza discs. <laughs> Exactly. I know, um, I know when I first started uh, clear aligners, like ages and ages ago, you have your patient come back for their that first visit. And, you know, you lean them back and you look in their mouth and you're just like, you just see plastic on teeth. You, it's just like, you don't know what you're looking for. It, it just like anything, totally. you know, <laughs> you just don't know what you're looking for. Um, so I, I can kind of explain what I do now and what I, what I look for and what I think is super efficient. And then maybe you can let me know how you guys differ. Sure. Um, so basically I've gotten into the habit of, it's definitely the first appointment back. Like just ask your normal questions. How's it going? How are you enjoying it? How are you settling in? You know, and they'll usually give you information like, oh, the first week was weird, felt weird, or, you know, I had a hard, hard time getting in, in and out. If they're on elastics, they'll, they'll give you their struggles, but they're usually experts by this point because you haven't heard from them. So you're assuming that they're doing well. Um, so I usually ask those questions and I'm listening because I'm, I'm going to chart some of it, all of it. Um, and uh, so that's just your kind of meet and greet and your relationship building. And they do have their aligners in at this point. Um, and so basically they, they're in and they stay in. And then once they're finished talking, I lean them back. And that's when I take a look um, at how the aligners are fitting in their mouth. Uh, I have asked them what aligner number they're on. So if let's say I'm at week eight and I'm doing a one week cycle, which is typical for me, um, I'm expecting them to be on aligner number eight, but that's not always the case as we know. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they go rogue and they say that they didn't wear it as much. So they've slowed themselves down. Full respect, that's yeah. fine. Cause you know, there's no that. sense. <laughs> Yeah, don't don't change just because it's time to change. Change because it feels right or whatever. Um, and sometimes they've gone ahead. They've lost a couple pairs of aligners or whatever. And again, it it does that doesn't phase me. I don't go into instant um, you know, lecture <laughs> mode, <laughs> like follow my rules. I just I haven't seen anything yet. So there's nothing to complain about yet. So I, I usually will write on the tray cover their name. So my doctor actually knows who they are, their <laughs> aligner number. That's a good trick. Yeah. <laughs> no matter what procedure you're doing, write their name. Totally. And so I usually will put uh, like Mary, initial set, aligner number. I'll just put number eight or whatever. And then I lean them back and I take a look. And, and typically what I'm looking for, and I, I'm looking with my fingers too, is I'm just kind of running my fingers over their aligners, seeing if the edges fit. So the incisal edges are the easiest to look at, but also the premolars and molars, just to see if there's any bounce and if it's really kind of on there is what I'm looking for. Um, and then if that's all fine, uh, I will ask them to remove it because they're the experts at this point. They've removed it many, many times in eight weeks. I have probably inserted it and removed it once on their initial visit just to show them. So why should I struggle? I agree. <laughs> so basically I let them do it. 
and they place that on the tray cover. And um, and now I'm looking at their actual teeth compared to their ClinCheck. And I do have their ClinCheck up um, on the computer beside me. And again, keep in mind that the ClinCheck is the forces acting on the teeth, not the actual position of the teeth. So take that with a grain of salt. Um, you don't yeah. you, you're not like memorizing the position of the teeth. You're just kind of reminding yourself, oh, we're sequentially distalizing. Hard things backing up, or like you know, are we kind of heading in the right direction? Um, and then I check for spaces, which um, by flossing. Um, and I got out of the habit of doing that, I would say for a few years. Um, we used to always do it when we were new, because that's what a line told us to do. Um, and check the contacts and write down what was loose or open or whatever, and make sure we did enough IPR um, if it had been done. Um, and then we got out of the habit because we just thought, yeah, we did the IPR day one. We did it. Um, we measured it. And we're, we're, we were pretty good at it. Um, and then we just took it for granted that it was done. Um, and now we've gotten a little bit wiser that sometimes even if there isn't planned IPR, there's still friction and uh, friction will slow your plan down and sabotage you and cause more refinement. So now we just check all the contacts and if anything's tight or bound, we just make a note on the tray cover for the doctors and wait for the doctors to kind of assess, is that a problem or is it not a problem? Cool. And so that's kind of where I am. Yeah. Well, I'll jump in on a couple points there. Yeah. Um, I had some some insights and you make sure I remember them all. The first one that um, that I was going to comment on, one little tip that I have is when I'm seeing them back, I agree completely, first of all, that having that initial, like just a, a very open-ended, like, how's it going? How's it been feeling? Um, gives you a lot of information. Like people like to talk. Mm-hmm. just like you no mean. kidding <laughs> both of us so they'll they'll usually give you a lot and then the second thing is is that um if the patient ever comes in and their trays aren't on their teeth to me yes. that is just the biggest red flag i'm sure yeah. you're the same pocket or their purse like why why What's aren't they on your teeth and we tell them at the initial start appointment every time you come in your tray should be on your teeth and so they know that that's kind of a rule. So if they say like, oh, I lost my trays at lunchtime, you're like, mm, there's a problem here. Yeah. Uh, another thing then from that initial sit down is we really intentionally try never to see the patient back in the first week. I think we might have yeah. talked about this on the last podcast. Yeah. Because you know that the patients are, even though aligners are 10,000 times better than braces for comfort, yeah. they're still going to complain. And... Mm-hmm. We actually don't even do follow-up phone calls in the first week because you just yeah. know every yeah. single person you call or talk to is going to say how sore their teeth are and how terrible it is. And then mm-hmm. if you see them a month later, they'll say like, oh yeah, that was completely fine. There was no problems at all. But without fail, that first couple of days, like they just need some time to to get over how the the first, we always tell them the first three days of the first three trays are oh, going to be rhymes. the most uncomfortable. Exactly. <laughs> And then, so if you see them at a month, perfect. You're past the first three trays. You're on tray number four, at least, or ideally more like two months. Then, you know, they're kind of past that point where they're like, okay, everything's fine. Okay. Um, So those were those thoughts. One that uh, I like doing a little trick is before I lean the patient back, I'll say this to them and it's very intentional. I tell them, so Kelly, uh, I'm about to lean you back to check how well you've been seeing or to see how well you've been wearing the trays. Before I lean you back, and so it's almost like they're about to get a test and you're a teacher and you're kind of asking them, 
uh, I, before I give you this test, does anybody want to tell me like if they haven't yeah. been studying properly? <laughs> like this is your moment to come clean before you take the test or home in right. your hand or hand in your right. homework. And so I say, I'm about to look at your teeth to see how well you've been wearing the trays. Um, if you had to grade yourself though, out of 10, 10 being perfect, you wear them all the time. You never forget to put them back in after you eat. And one is that you like, you're barely wearing them. They've been mm-hmm. a real struggle. What would you give yourself as a score? And I feel like unless they give you a nine or a 10, I always take two points off of what they tell me because people always exaggerate. So if they're telling you a six and the key to this is you're doing it right before you say the phrase, I'm about to lean you back to take a look to see how well your trays are fitting and how well you've been doing. Right. 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 If you just say to them like, oh, have you been wearing your trays really well? That's a yes or no answer. So the answer is like, yes. Yeah. But if it's like, a, I need you to answer and give yourself a grade and I'm about to lean you back in that context, if you lean them back and then you set them up and ask them that question, right? I find again that you get a lot of like fibbing. <laughs> if yeah. you're like, oh, your trays aren't fitting that well. Have you been wearing them enough? Then they, usually they'll be like, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I've, I've been doing it. But you're kind of like giving them a chance to save face. Yeah. Exactly. I, I, that's, that's a great point. And I, I'm like, so nice. And I like to put people on, on the spot or whatever. Um, but to your point, uh, yeah, people, people lie. And so if, yeah, they say I've been wearing them 18 hours a day and we've been like, Hey, you know, try for 23, seven or 22, seven. Um, and, and they're like 18, we know that some people can get away with that. Um, mm-hmm. But you you don't want to be like, you know what, you're still doing great. You you want to still put the pressure, be like, oh, you know, you, you got away with it this time. But I can see a few areas that might be slipping and it's going to catch up to you. And what happens when that happens is we abort mission on this plan. And now it takes us at least four or five, sometimes six weeks to get a new plan back. And now you've just bought yourself almost two more months of treatment. Mm-hmm. And do that a couple of times. And that's a half a year. Yeah. So yeah. that yeah. matters to them. Totally. That's a good reminder because sometimes when we've been doing it for a while, <laughs> you forget like the, the regular stuff, like brush your teeth. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> the little things. Um, okay. Other things I feel mm-hmm. like, oh, what did I had? I had one more good one. Mm-hmm. Um, so you lean them back, you take a look at their teeth. One thing I look for is in terms of the fit of the trays, and okay. I, I'll ask you, Kelly, if you're similar, but sometimes as a newer provider, or maybe when you were first doing digital treatment planning, it's hard to know as a doctor, like, what are you, what are you looking for? Like we talked about how there's gaps between the teeth, mm-hmm. but can you talk a little bit about when you see like one tooth not tracking versus if you see all of the teeth not tracking, what does that mean to you? Yeah. So, I mean, it's easy when you're new to like, you know, you're hyper looking at the edges of the teeth. Cause that's kind of all, you know, to look for at first, that's, that's all, you know. And so if you see like a canine or a lateral, it doesn't really matter what tooth you're talking about. And you see that little edge, you're like, oh shoot, it's going off track. What should I do? What should I do? Um, let's rescan, let's replan. And like, that's, that's one tooth. And it, it, maybe it hasn't had time to fully seat in there. It hasn't fully expressed. Maybe it is off track a little bit. Um, we don't, we don't, uh, we don't abort mission for sure. We, we ask them to do chewies, um, chewies or any other firm product, a pen, anything, anything to seat it. We show them how to do that. We'll have them do it chair side if we're killing time waiting for the doctor. And sometimes you can't even recapture it on the spot. It's just, they haven't really been inserting it fully. So you kind of reinstruct and hope that you can capture it in the, in the next, um, you know, eight weeks, let's say. 
Um, and then if it's a whole section, I mean, if it's all of the lower interiors, let's say, and the tray is popped up and it's just not fully seated, maybe we didn't put key attachments on, maybe they lost attachments, which is another thing we're looking for. I usually know how many attachments are on because I, you know, it, it's on the ClinCheck. So I'm like, oh, 20 attachments. And I just run my finger and I count them. Um, if something's missing, we make a judgment call on how important it is or not. Um, team members, if you don't know, ask the doctor. Um, if in doubt, or maybe you have a standing protocol that anything is missing, rebond it on the spot. That's a good protocol if you don't really know for sure yeah. how important it is. Um, why not put it back together, especially on the first visit? Um, <laughs> it takes five it takes five minutes or less to to rebond an attachment. So um, that's probably a great protocol for and for just jumping in. Yeah. Um, if it's conventional attachment for doctors who are listening yes. and staff, you can just use their tray that they're currently wearing. So patient sitting in the chair, something's not fitting. Again, the conventional ones are the attachments that we kind of place. And we use quite a few conventional attachments in part for this reason. Yeah. You just go ahead, you clean, pumice the tooth, etch the tooth, bond the tooth, put the composite in the well of their actual tray. Mm -hmm. On goes the tray, you cure it, pop it off, clean the flash that's that's how quick it is like if they're in your yeah. chair it really should not take more than five minutes to put an attachment mm -hmm. back on or a, or a button even for that matter exactly exactly and and most of the time we're we, i mean we're waiting for the doctor to come anyways so it's time well spent um and then to the same to the same point and obviously if you're um, rebonding it using the template you cut out that tooth individually because teeth mm -hmm. have moved so you want to have that attachment on the right spot on the tooth um and then the other the, like one of the other common areas where something maybe isn't fitting is like in the back it's flapping up and down maybe there's not an anchor at the back and we talked last time about a liner bending or at least or was that live it's all blurring together yeah, but all we talked about <laughs> i know we talked uh, a little bit about strategies and we can probably do another um session it would be a great follow-up follow-up session to this things how we fix things uh creative fixes chair side mm. that we've learned over the years <laughs> um but you know sometimes you can just bend it down or show them how to manipulate the tray a little bit so it has a better fit but again don't abort mission just because things aren't ideal in that moment um mm. most things i would say most things are, are are fixable yeah and and just to expand on what kelly's talking about when when the aligner is bouncing in the back usually it's because there's no attachment on the terminal tooth and so when they actually manufacture the trays in juarez mexico the uh Aligner is vacuum formed to the 3D model, and then the aligner is removed from that 3D model using a machine. So it almost like takes the aligner off of the model like yeah. a patient would take it off their teeth. As it grabs onto those back molars and it removes it, it can bend the tray a little bit. It causes that terminal molar where the tray is more flexible to, uh, to bend and it doesn't necessarily snap back. And so if you right. have a patient who puts their tray in and they're like, it doesn't fit very well, doc. And mm -hmm. they're biting and they're like, it bounces in the back. What Kelly's kind of describing is you just take your fingers and I'll show for those who are watching on YouTube, yeah. for those who are listening, I'll try to do my best to describe, but you go ahead and you hold the tray right before the terminal molar that's bouncing. Mm -hmm. Then you grab that terminal molar and you bend upwards. So you bend mm -hmm. it occlusally mm -hmm. quite far, like almost so that when you're finished bending it, it almost has like a little like. Uh, see like it, curve. yeah yeah like, it curves up almost like a, a curved like wall yeah. going upwards from horizontal to vertical so it curves upwards yeah. now a little bit and then you give that patient the aligner back they put it in and they'll be like oh it doesn't have any problems anymore 
Yeah. And then the yeah. other thing you can do is you can take the aligner on the terminal molar again, and you just squeeze really hard between your fingers on the buckle and the lingual. And as you squeeze, that's just going to go ahead and give a little bit more grip for that aligner to grab the buckle and lingual kind of right at the cervical margin where the gingiva is. Yeah. Yeah, that works real. That works really well. Um, and, and young patients too, as we all evolve into mixed dentition, uh, oh, which yeah. is fun. That that's a, a very uh, real problem for them. Every time yeah. you get smarter and you put key attachments on, and that becomes a thing <laughs> of the past. But it is a good fix if it if it's flapping around. So um, so yeah, if you're if you're if you're seeing little edges that aren't tracking, again, your go to fix is going to be having them. You know, one, how many hours are you wearing them? Are you wearing them enough? Is that the reason uh, that there's an edge or again maybe it just hasn't gotten into that destination space um Invisalign's fancy they do fancy things and sometimes they leave us space at the edges or various places for the teeth to move into and so maybe it just hasn't fully gotten in maybe they're only on day two of this aligner so the tooth hasn't had a chance to get to that space and we're just assessing it now mm-hmm. um which um you know and and that kind of leads me to my next Point. Just, I, just I don't jumping really, on this yeah. one before we move ahead, the teeth that often align will have spaces in the aligner intentionally if you're using yeah. an optimized attachment is the lateral incisors okay. on the upper. Those ones are the ones that they'll often have like a little space available because okay. uh, they know that laterals don't track as well. So they're trying to like give it room so that it doesn't hit the plastic on the incisal edge. Okay. One thing that I'll do is you kind of touched on this already, but it's looking at your clincheck. So if a tooth isn't tracking and it's just one single tooth, I'll look at the clincheck like you described and then see, does that tooth have a lot of movement that's happening on it? And is there an attachment on that tooth? That's a little bit oversimplistic. There's more going on yeah. than just that, of course, like we know. But yeah. but if that tooth's like extruding and you look and you're like, oh, that's a central incisor and it's just extruding every single step of the way and it has no attachment and you're on tray eight and it doesn't fit at all. Well, then if that movement's continuing still it's obviously not going to start tracking all of a sudden because it's just going to keep getting worse. And the reason why it's not tracking is because we didn't design the ClinCheck very well. Right. Whereas what normally I'm thinking about when I see uh, like a whole section of teeth, like the lower incisors or the upper incisors, nothing's tracking and you have a bunch of attachments on those teeth too, to me. And this is my, my patient demographic is really bad at this. Okay. It's, it's just straight up compliance. Okay. Um, I just find that like any, so that my kind of rule of thumb is a single tooth not tracking. It's probably me. Okay. A multiple teeth not tracking, like across a whole region, it's probably the patient in compliance. Okay. Or I'm doing something like I'm trying to intrude every single one of those teeth. And it's just a lot. And, and it's just too much. Lot. Like I did too much. And so that's where looking at the ClinCheck and just looking, does, does, the ClinCheck reflect, like, is there a lot of movements on those teeth? If you're like, hey, there's no movements on my incisors at all. Like, I'm not intruding them. I'm not extruding them. I'm not rotating them. But yet none of the aligners fit properly. Right. Then you're like, okay, well, and this is what I kind of tell my patients too, just another little key phrase, especially if it's teens and kids, because mm-hmm. I don't like saying this to, as much to adults. But I just like telling them, your teeth don't lie. <laughs> yeah, so, we know. <laughs> we know. Like, I know that you're not wearing them enough because your teeth don't lie. If you were wearing them well enough, this would fit. Because look at my plan. These teeth don't move yeah. at all, but yet, why are they not fitting? Exactly. Exactly. No, that that's definitely that's definitely a good uh, good point. And so, if a whole section is not fitting, do you see like 
how much it's not fitting and if you can recapture or go back a step. I know you have them hold their aligners and in, in, in a perfect world, bring their aligners in. So do you backtrack a bit to see if you can recapture or if it's a big section, you're just like, forget it. It depends. I often say forget it and just get a new batch because yeah. I know that we are maybe fighting a losing battle against one of these kids or, or teenagers or adults who it's gone too far off track. Yeah. And what happens, I find, is that if the aligners aren't fitting well and they're kind of half, like it depends how bad it is. If it's halfway yeah. off the teeth, they're yeah. not going to recapture the fit because yeah. we know they're bad patients already and it's getting so uncomfortable on them that they're barely wearing them because they're like, it hurts and it's it's yeah. not fitting well. And you're like, well, it's hurting and not fitting well because you're not wearing it enough. Yeah. But if you try and force them back into it, I just find that they don't like they they'll just be like i physically couldn't do it anymore and it was so uncomfortable right. and so painful and i realized that i was kind of like not really setting it back up for success so instead i tried to go in and start doing refinements and doing them very quickly and then um getting those patients into a new batch as soon as possible okay and i'm a i'm a tough guy so i tell them if it's an adult for sure you get one chance of non-compliance. If this happens okay. again, then we're going to go ahead and we have to stop because this is just a waste of your time and my time. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I, I really, really like make it serious that they realize like there's, they're, they're, yeah. they're going to waste a lot of money and I'm not going to charge them for the whole case. Like I don't even want the rest of your money. Like you're just not yeah. a patient that I want to be treating right now. I'd rather just give you back everything mm -hmm. left that you haven't paid and wash my hands of it and we're done. And I only ever have to do that maybe like once or twice a year because the patients just see that I'm serious and they, yeah, they realize that they need to do it. <laughs> and, and in a case like that, where, you know, I mean, we know your, your plans are amazing. So we're taking a new scan and we're submitting that. And we're just basically saying it's the same destination. It's the same treatment plan, but we're just starting from here, this current scan. And then, you know, we're not, it's not like we're replanning. Mm -hmm. That's what yeah. I, I'm trying to get. Yeah, everyone who's new to, to realize you don't have to start from zero and then post Take your piece all to Facebook or ask us to help you. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Unless you realize that you that they're not fitting. Like, let's say you have this patient; they've a long time patient. You know they're amazing at wearing their trays. They say like, "I wear them ten out of ten. I'm perfect. I never don't wear them." And you believe them, yeah. then I'd say, "Yeah, look at your plan." But if you know that it's just non-compliance, then my strategy is usually add more attachments <laughs> yes. yeah. and don't take off the ones that you have on, but just try to add more. If there's optimized attachments that are dinky and they kind of suck, yeah, like, like, like little lateral incisor multiplanes or something, take those off, put on big chunky attachments and tell the patient like, this is what we have to do because we need to use every tool in our tool book now based on where we're right. at. Our tool book. Right. <laughs> our <laughs> tool box. <laughs> we're going to get a tool book for you all yeah. <laughs> to go with your toolbox tool because we are introducing a lot of tools. Clearly aligned. Yeah. Not just about aligners here. We're like the full package. <laughs> totally. Oh, that's great. Um, um, yeah. Yeah. It's just a matter of don't, don't like, it, it really sucks to remove every single attachment and put them all back on again. Yeah. Oh yeah. So That's I try to keep as many conventional attachments as possible. And then you're not wasting so much chair time, taking them off and putting them on. I agree. I agree. Um, I was going to say, I, I don't know many people who do this anymore, but back in the day, um, you know, we would ask them, you know, what a liner you're on. And uh, half the time they would take it out before we even lean them back. And then you realize, why am I doing that? I don't know what I'm looking at without the plastic in your mouth. You do all these inefficient things <laughs> until you realize Keep them in your mouth. <laughs> yeah. Let's ask the questions first. Then you lean them back. 
Then you take a look how they fit. Then the plastic comes out of their mouth again. They're doing it because they're faster at it. Um, and then again, uh, you, most of the time these days, I don't ask them, like, unless they're not fitting, when are you changing to your next aligner? Or when did this one go in your mouth? I'm just assessing it as it is. And I'm just like, it fits or it doesn't fit. And I, I don't care if you change on a Wednesday yeah. or a Sunday. I, I don't care. <laughs> totally. <laughs> but, it's an But you do kind of get caught up question. in that in the early days. And I know we used to train new doctors to be like, remove your old one and I'll help you put the new one in, like right there on the spot. And that doesn't last very long because everyone has different change dates or if they lose it a day or two earlier than they're supposed to, or if you're writing the mm -hmm. dates on the bag, God help you. That will, <laughs> oh, like who yeah, still does that? That's insane. Don't do that. Number one, so much chair time, or like time spent oh, writing yeah. those. And then number two, if the patient gets off that schedule, everything you just wrote is wrong. <laughs> Yeah. And like, you just never know, like things change and they're like, there's so many innovations. I mean, whether you decide uh, you're going to throw uh, like an AVO at them. So now you're like pumping it up and they're changing every three, four or five days, or you have to slow them down because it's a co-op problem or because it's a difficult movement and you just think, you know what, let's just slow it down. Let's just um, take a break here or whatever. Um, but for whatever reason, do not write things on, on the bag. Stickers are good, but yeah. <laughs> writing actual locked in dates and yeah. changing it chair side or trying to accommodate their appointment with their change date. Like you're going to book them every Wednesday for the rest of their life. Like it just doesn't make sense. Yeah. So that's our tip of the day. Yeah, I think to save yourself. Yeah. Like and like, that's a whole staff member's job. Yeah. Like I see people online and they're like, hanging up these aligners on hangers and writing on dates. It's like a full-time job yeah. for no reason. Yeah. Crazy, crazy. The thing crazy. is, as you get better with aligners, what you start doing is you start realizing that you need to put like, this is, you're a coach. You're like a personal trainer. And so patients need to have an understanding that they are involved in this process and they're responsible. And mm -hmm. people, doctors will ask me all the time, but hey, Shulk, what happens if that patient doesn't wear their aligners as much as they're like, they, they, mm -hmm. they're changing on the wrong day. They're changing every six days instead of every seven days, or um, things aren't fitting as well as they should be when they move to the next one. It's like, well, number one, try to educate them towards what they're looking for. So the trays mm -hmm. need to always be fitting well. There should never be that gap. And we show them a picture of that. And then number two is you're responsible for your trays. We're giving them all yeah. to you. So you have to make sure you don't lose them, that right. you're taking care of them, that you change the right next tray. Because sometimes yeah. you do get weird stuff happening, like a patient who will change <laughs> from tray 20 to like tray 42. Yeah, they skip the whole they box. They skip a whole box. I had that happen twice. Yeah. It was insane. Yeah. It makes no sense, right? Like, that how hurts. That, how so when they say something hurts. Yeah. That's the, the number. One. It doesn't happen often, but yeah, it really doesn't. But that's the thing is like, I, I kind of have responsibility on my patients. It's like, well, what about yeah. with braces? If that patient went and got pliers and they forced the bracket, the arch wire out of their bracket and they put it over top of their arch wire and they extruded that tooth. Like, yeah. aren't you worried about that? And it's like, well, no, because you have, you're, you're trusting your patient that they're not going to do something that so is against what you've educated yeah. them towards. So for that reason, it's like, Sometimes you will have patients who do stupid things, but to treat all of your patients differently or to like not trust all of them uh, because right. of one patient who likelihood, what it's always just going to be is they're not wearing their trays enough. Yeah. Every yeah. once in a million years, you're going to get someone who or once a year who like jumps ahead a whole bunch of trays and they're just going to say that they don't fit. Yeah. And they were really sore and then they'll call you and then you'll look and you'll be like, well, you have an entire box of trays. You put the, go back to tray 21 and it fits perfectly. And then you go back to that again. Yeah. 
And if that's like a really good point about the soreness, like, so the first few days, like you said, it's awkward more than painful. You'll feel a little bit of something, but I mean, if anything, they take like a Tylenol once, like it's really like aligners are not a painful situation compared to brackets and wires. Um, You don't need to have a soft diet and all that business. Otherwise they're just giant babies. If you ask me, (laughs) you're mean. (laughs) they really are. Um, I have no patience for that, but um, if (laughs) I really don't braces, I yeah, coming from a braces Braces. world. I agree. Like, yeah, it's, it's kind of almost like, which I try not to laugh at the patients, but when they're complaining about aligners and I've done aligners and braces and my aligners were pretty horrible the first couple of days, but it was still like, way way better yeah it's manageable but you, and, and so as this? they're like huh well, one thing that i've heard and we 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 do too is we tell them to take a uh, tylenol before they go to bed and change their aligners yeah. right before bedtime i like so that. then that way That's they great. get the first eight hours or seven hours or so while they're sleeping and they've had a tylenol like take the tylenol half an hour before they change yeah if, if they're concerned about pain and, and because oftentimes it's, it's most uncomfortable when they're putting it in and removing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and also if you're changing to that fresh aligner, like you're changing from number two to number three, now it's going to be in your mouth for, let's say eight or more hours solid. And so it's really doing those first movements without interruption of eating and all the different reasons we take our aligners in and out. So that's a great tip that I also forget about because yeah. I've been doing this and a long time. I probably thing... say these things and I forget <laughs> yeah. that I say them. But um... the other thing is that most people brux. And so if they're bruxing yeah. at nighttime, that's a great opportunity that you have a natural kind of chewy um munchy whatever crunchy uh that's that's causing them to grind their teeth together right they're forcing those plastic trays onto the teeth so Mm -hmm. that's the other reason why it's better to have them change before nighttime and then if if they are uncomfortable or complaining that their teeth are so are, are still sore after like that first few weeks or let's just even say a month for someone who's highly sensitive um they're not wearing them enough because we know it because we've worn them ourselves that if you get caught up in a netflix show and after dinner you forgot to put your aligner back in and now you're on the third episode and you're like oh shoot let me go get my aligners <laughs> yeah. um it hurts it does hurt it only hurts i will say for about 15 minutes so you just have to suck it up tylenol or no tylenol yeah. it, it does hurt as you your teeth kind of get back into that position I, i've done it many times um and uh if you just suck it up for that 15 minutes all is good your teeth totally fit back in there life is good and you continue on so just remind them that's like a them problem and they can help themselves and not be in pain um and, and and that's basically all it comes down to totally yeah totally or and like this is why we changed a lot of our protocols based on dr christian fournier's techniques we do so much lingual invisalign in yes. our practice where the patients then, because they'd bite on their attachments, they eat with their aligners in. That's they change out their aligners yeah. faster, but you you get that perfect compliance all the time. Because yeah. if you don't eat with your aligners in, they'll bite down and hit their attachments on the lingual. Yeah, and, and so I teach that in yeah. the attachments and biomechanics course on the attachment protocols for lingual Invisalign. Yeah, for because yeah, you can't just, cases, yeah, yeah, you don't just put them anywhere that's fancy. So yeah. you got to take that course to figure yeah. out where to put them on the lingual. <laughs> but <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's, it's cool seeing all these adult patients who are just so compliant because they're always wearing them and things just work. Yeah, I love that. I, um, love I, that. I had something that I uh, wanted to touch on before we, we move along, yeah. uh, still kind of talking about trays fitting and, and looking at the attachments and the clincheck. Uh, let's say that you do have just one tooth that's not fitting. Sometimes, again, doctors will ask, well, how do you know whether you should jump into a refinement right away or that you wait? And 
the way that I approach it is again, what Kelly said before is look at the ClinCheck. What I'm trying to evaluate if one tooth isn't tracking is how important is it that that tooth does all of its movements on that particular ClinCheck. Mm -hmm. So let's say that it's like a lower second premolar and you look at the ClinCheck and that tooth doesn't really move a whole lot. It's already in a really good position. And meanwhile, you have like central incisors that are are 45 degrees rotated, right? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Then do I care that that lower premolar isn't tracking? Like, no, I don't care even slightly. Like if it doesn't track, who cares? First of all, because it's in a good spot. Second of all, we can always go ahead on the next batch of trays and fix it. But let's say instead now we have an upper central incisor and we're trying to extrude that tooth five millimeters. Okay. It's way higher up than all the other teeth. And that one's not tracking. Well, I almost think of it like in chemistry, you have your rate determining step in a chemical reaction. So what's going to determine how long this chemical reaction takes to occur? It's the same thing in ortho. What's the rate limiting step or the rate limiting tooth? And if you're like, Mm -hmm. oh, well, that central incisor is going to be what takes this case the longest to finish. If that tooth isn't tracking, then I would say something needs to happen. You need to go into a refinement or do a bootstrap, which we'll talk about in a bit, or do something to get that fitting again but you don't want to go ahead and just keep holding off saying i'll fix it later because then let's say you figured your treatment time is going to take one year to extrude that tooth down in a place and then you spend six months kind of fooling around and you you barely move Doing that all tooth. little movements all the yeah. little things but the big but things the big are, thing. are, yeah yeah then you still have another year left to go almost because that tooth hasn't moved at all so mm-hmm. that to me is always the key is what is your rate determining tooth movement and if mm-hmm. that's not working, then go into refinement. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. I, I uh, 100% agree Agree with that. So yeah, don't abort mission if it's the little things. Um, but yeah, the, the big things, the, you know, the big recipe part. <laughs> yeah, the big, the big exactly. Find awesome. the most important movement. Um, and then we, we did talk about flossing and checking like contacts, mm. checking for friction. So whether yes. you have strategic IPR that you've already done at that first visit, or maybe you have to do some this visit, um, but check check your contacts even in areas that there is no IPR planned um, just to see if those teeth are bound and if those teeth are moving. So if you have a tight contact, but those teeth aren't moving, no issue, leave, leave it as is, no big deal. But if you have like contact, let's say at a, the distal of a canine and that canine is really rotating IPR or not, whether it's planned or not, um, personally, I would run a little polishing strip or something there just to alleviate that if that tooth is moving, um, because otherwise it's not really going to go anywhere. So um, Kelly, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll fill you yeah. in on something. I don't know if you knew this one. Here's a, here's a one that, that I learned back in the early days from Jonathan Nicosiasis and Maz Mashiri. I actually don't floss contacts anymore. What do you do? So but what you're saying them? is completely correct, right? If teeth okay. have friction, friction is an orthodontist's or let's say is a uh, general, what do we want to say? A, uh, someone who's doing orthodontics, okay. worst enemy. <laughs> okay. Because if friction happens and teeth stop moving, right? We yeah. all know that. Um, and so we want to make sure that if, if a lion's defaults are occurring and the teeth are kind of bumping and hitting up against each other, what a lion allows in their protocols is they allow there to be friction of less than 0.1 millimeters. Okay. So if two teeth are sliding past each other, and I'm showing a de- demonstration for those who are listening, uh, just my hands moving past, but if they bump in slightly, they're allowed to bumper car ever so slightly past each other up to okay. 0.1 millimeters. 
But what happens is that friction, if it's too much, it causes the teeth to stop tracking. And so that's why Alliance protocols have always been take a piece of floss, floss between the teeth. If there's a tight contact, take a finishing strip and floss between it. Okay. And that makes sense because it's allowing a line to use slightly fewer trays for those teeth to slide past each other. If you do a bit of just, we won't really call it true IPR, but more just like polishing the context and not have friction. Okay. But I feel like that's a huge time suck to be flossing all the it patient's is. teeth. And it so is. what we do instead is we change in our instructions in the prescription form. We tell okay. the technicians that we don't want to have collision tolerance. So the statement okay. that I use is, I do not want collision tolerance okay. as the teeth slide past one another. Okay. Or I'll say zero collision tolerance as teeth move. So something okay. along those lines. The keys are okay. that you're telling them no collisions allowed. Okay. And what that does then is as the teeth now slide past each other, there's a tiny bit of space that's created. Okay. So that they don't bind and have friction. Okay. And that way... Um, unless it's someone who's non-compliant, right. because I will have cases where like, you know, it's a teenager or an adult who, uh, they're not wearing their trays enough. The tooth's not really tracking the best in the tray. You then go ahead in my case and floss it. And you're like, oh yeah, that's a snap. And you look okay. at the ClinCheck and you're like, oh, these teeth clearly move past each other without issues. Okay. And I have the right attachments on. So then I know that it's a compliance issue. Their teeth haven't moved all the way before the next tray is trying to do something. Okay. Okay. And so in that case, then I do exactly what you said. I'll go ahead and just make sure to like a take a step. But it, saved, it saves you from having to it pretty much check flossing. 98%. So Dr. Shulk has just saved you thousands and thousands <laughs> of dollars worth of floss and yes, stuff. I was just going right to say, we just saved so <laughs> many poor flosses from <laughs> meeting their inevitable so demise. No no collision tolerances. So yeah, write that yeah, down, people. Exactly. Write that down. Yeah. <laughs> That's perfect. The other thing, um, uh, just one more expansion that. that I'll do is if you have a really hard movement, let's say you've got a crazy movement that you need to do, I create 0.5 millimeters. Depends how much, like how the tissue is for how yeah. much I can expand. But I'll create maybe 0.3 or 0.5 millimeters mesial and distal to that tooth with the really hard movement. Yeah. So that I, I love make that. sure there's yeah. no um tight contact at all and what i've started doing that's actually even one step further than that i don't close that space that we open at the end of that batch of aligners yeah because if that movement doesn't fully happen i want yeah. there still to be space between the teeth so the tray could okay. grip interproximally and it grabs the teeth not just on the buccal and the lingual but interproximally exactly and then that exactly. allows more control of the movement and then exactly. i only close that space up on like the next batch of trays and to me, it's okay. almost the equivalent of golf where you're not really trying to like get it in the hole when you're chipping it on the green. You're mm -hmm. kind of like, I'm just going to chip it and get it as close as possible. And I know I'm yeah. going to have to do a little bit more afterwards here, but you're giving yourself kind of like an out. Yeah, no, absolutely love that. A hundred percent agree with that. And in general, like, yeah, we, we always know we're going to do some kind of refinement. Um, and so th those little spaces I love, especially like canines and laterals, things mm -hmm. that we know are not tracking on a consistent basis for even though we've planned it magically, um, leave that open. And um, and then, yeah, and your refinement continue on and then, you know, ask your technicians any residual space close at the end. It's like it's in its own at final chapter. End that's when you lock it down um, in case anything goes off or you need to add some overcorrection, whatever, whatever you have to add, you've protected yourself. So that, oh my gosh, there's just like pearls flying around today. <laughs> I know, this that's is awesome. a good one. I like it. <laughs> this is an easy one for us too. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
So we, so th- let's say they're happy. So things are tracking. We're fine. They're on board. Um, we're like, okay, you're doing great. Yeah, motivation, encouragement. Because again, this is only the first visit back. So you're doing great. Everything's going well. We kind of always want to say that even if we're slightly concerned about things, don't be like a nag and bring them down every visit because that's not fun. Ortho should be fun. Um, so yeah, save your lectures for when you really need them. Um, and so, yeah, we, we typically just sit them up, um, let them know to continue, um, book their next appointment, which we've just established is somewhere usually around that eight week mark, unless you're dental monitoring and you can extend it. Um, we didn't talk, touch on elastics, but of course in that original conversation we had before they lean back, that's the time they're going to tell us if they're struggling on elastics or we say, hey, you know, have you been wearing your elastics? First visit, we demonstrated them. Um, did you get the hang of them? I know you struggled that first Although, visit because we turned it in. Just a little. Yes, jump in. Again. I won't say, have you been wearing your elastics? I'll say, oh. how well have you been wearing your elastics? Because okay. right? I don't want them. I'm just so used to, maybe it's just my patient base. Like I fight for every inch of compliance. <laughs> I I find if I just say like, have you been wearing your elastics? It's a yes. <laughs> So I'm like, how well out of 10 have you been wearing them? I'm about to lean you back and check out your teeth. <laughs> uh, Meanwhile, Kelly's already a, said, a, giving a them four. stickers on their forehead. Rock yeah, exactly. star. <laughs> yeah, five stars, five stars. Like we I'm, trick that old lady every you, time. We've got the yin and yang because you're definitely a lot nicer than me. I'm a hard ass. <laughs> <laughs> you can bring me in around Christmas time for your patients. They'll be yeah. like, bring that woman back. We like her. She's Thanks nice. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so yeah, so that's perfect. It's a, it's a good opportunity to, um, keep them encouraged, keep them motivated, remind them that you really do. You're aiming for, you know, 23, seven, 24, seven, um, and with elastics as well, remind them why they're wearing elastics. I think when people understand the why of wearing, they're wearing elastics and it's just not a homework we're giving them and they don't understand it. I think they tend to, um, cooperate a little bit better if they're they're part of the plan so if they don't remember or they haven't been wearing them just kind of re-motivate them and um we we do book their next appointment just so that they're locked in and uh and yeah i mean pretty easy ohi um you know we don't dwell on it too much unless it's bad but we do rank them each time um they know we're doing it it's like kind of an a b c d um once they get a few c's um you know we're definitely yeah, we're definitely kind of saying, hey, you're kind of falling off. Make sure you rinse your trays, clean your trays, clean your teeth, whatever. Um, and then once they get a couple uh, that aren't very good in a row, uh, if they're under 18, uh, their parents get notified. We don't tell on them right away because, you know, we try to give them uh, a chance to rebound themselves. But if they've had a couple uh, experiences or, you know, this is eight weeks apart. So if they've had one, two, now they're on their third uh, appointment where, you know, their trays are coated gross and their Mm -hmm. teeth are covered in different colors and whatever. Um, Then we tell their parents because now we're risking decal or cavities Mm -hmm. at some point and the parents need to be part of that situation and it's in their chart. So, yeah. um, Yeah. The one thing that you pointed out that I really like is look at their trays. If their mm. trays are not crystal clear, I make yeah. a big point of that because I say, look at all this food yeah. that's trapped between your teeth and your trays. Yeah. Um, that That's one that I really like to dwell on. And we- it's so easy. I mean, half the time when I'm waiting for the doctor to come chair side, I mean, all of this stuff that we've just talked about, this is ta- this, this has all happened in five minutes this. or less. Like yeah. this has happened. And so if they have popped out their aligners now, because I've checked that. And so now that it's on the tray and it's gross, 
I literally will just go grab a retainer braid, a Dixie cup. I put it in there. And while we are finishing the next, you know, three minutes, four minutes or whatever, I let it do its work. And by the time the doctor's there, I pull it out and I'll be like, you, you don't have time for that. Like yeah. I didn't even pick up a toothbrush. I'm not even wasting yes. a disposable toothbrush on you. Yes. Like so easy. There is no excuse while you're there eating, isn't. drop it in or just, it could be water and a toothbrush. You don't even yeah, need fancy tablets if you're poor or we haven't given you any or whatever. Yeah. There's no excuse really, yeah. you know? Agreed. A hundred percent. One thing that yeah. we, we do, um, we, well, we have a lot of patients who are really bad with their hygiene. Again, okay. the, yes. and, and the courses I try to teach you all these different strategies mm -hmm. of things that ideally you should never even really need, but you'll know them when you have a patient who you come across who's really non-compliant or really bad yeah. with hygiene or wh whatever it's going to be. Um, or maybe you are in a demographic uh, where you do have to fight for every like tooth and nail for hygiene. Yeah. So one thing that we started doing is like, we'll tell patients, of course, that you should be coming in at least twice a year for your cleanings and once a year for your checkups. And then it'll slip past. That'll be two years of treatment and they haven't come in for one single hygiene because for yeah. our patients, they just don't prioritize it as much. So right. what we've started doing is we'll go ahead and book them for all of their hygiene appointments okay. at the very start of treatment. Okay. So if it's going to be a two year case, theoretically, we'll go ahead and book them for all four. Uh, okay. of their appointments and so that's pre-booked out for two years and we'll give it like usually a week of buffer time in case they got sick or maybe even two weeks I think is what we do a buffer okay. time but then that way they're they're booked for everything they that's don't need good. to worry about it um, we have expectations that if they're not coming in for those hy hygiene appointments and a bit of a different world for Kelly kind of in a traditional ortho setting whereas we're also in the general side we really want those patients to come in for their oral hygiene in general but also yeah. on the revenue side that yeah we're making sure that we're we're keeping our hygienists busy and we're doing the treatment for them so yeah. that's been really good for us because those patients are pre-booked and they don't need to think about booking that next appointment now mm -hmm. or something happens and they don't have the next one booked already mm -hmm. the other thing that I've done and I don't have it available in the course yet, but I will add it once I've uh, updated some new documents there. I'll actually have a sheet showing their hygiene. So if we take a picture, then okay. I just pop it into a Word document that says like we are very, like when it gets to that level that we are very concerned, it'll say we're very concerned about your child's oral hygiene. And then mm -hmm. we'll pop their actual photo, like one or two of them into that Word document, print it off and then send them home with that so that the parents see it. That's awesome. And I mean, dental right monitoring is great for that too, because yeah. it is alerting you. I mean, for us at Northo, we're like, okay, enough about the oral hygiene. Much, but, much. You know, yeah. it's like red light, red light, but you have all those photos. You have all that documentation. You also mm -hmm. have response that you've responded back. So legally you're like very, you're protecting you're very yourself. Protected, yeah. And um, in ortho, I mean, back in brackets and wires, we used to have, we used to send patients back to their um, uh, GPs for three month hygiene checks when yep. things were getting out of control because, you know, it's puffy and it's grown over the braces and it's in our way. Um, so don't be hesitant to do the same thing for your aligner patients because just because their their gums may not be overgrowing and, and whatnot, but if all that plaque is in the tray, saliva is not flowing as freely around their teeth. If you're concerned, book them a three month check, even if it's just like more of like a prophy and a fluoride. So it's mm -hmm. not, you're not breaking the bank, but it's something. Um, and that's what we typically do. Um, obviously we have brushing stations, but if we have those patients who are consistently bad, they have to stop by and they have to disclose 
before they come to the chair. And it's really just an embarrassment factor. I'm not going to lie because I'm not, I'm certainly not brushing it off. Like we don't have time to profi no. and do all that stuff. We don't make the time to do it. It is important. Um, I am a real hygienist, <laughs> but, um, but really I'm showing yeah, I love that, the, like, Hey, we don't, yeah. we don't really care that much. about that. <laughs> I don't I care as much as I used to, <laughs> yeah. but, uh, but you know, it, it's amazing. Just yeah. it, it really is just bringing it to their attention. They didn't. They're they're so used to that coating on their teeth. Um, they don't see it anymore. Yeah. So once it's purple and red, or they're used now to that gingival it. inflammation. Yeah, where we're like, oh my goodness, can you imagine how painful that is? Yeah, but, yeah. yeah. We so, do the same. So it's, yeah, it's a good habit. Yeah, disclose and, and, them. Take yeah. pictures of disclosing. Yeah, just make sure that you are you're documenting your conversations and that you're you're coaching them right like you're you're coaching them on their hygiene and, and being the gp you have control over making sure they come back in for those appointments and like kelly yeah. said if you're getting bad with your hygiene now we'll go ahead and we'll bring bringing in every three months instead mm-hmm. and i'll also bring them in every single week for okay. disclosing and okay. uh an evaluation if they aren't doing well and and we take pictures when we do it but you don't have to you could just have them come in you literally just paint the disclosing solution on and then you go ahead, you like in a mirror with the doctor, like, or even without the yeah. doctor, if it's not good enough, you come back in a week again. And until you can show us that you've got properly brushed teeth, we're going to like, we literally will have people come back like four times in a row. And I tell the kid, but I'm really talking to the parent. I'm talking yes. to the parent through the kid because the parent's in the corner yes. and I'll say to them, your parent is going to be so upset that you need mm-hmm. to keep coming back every single week literally mm-hmm. just to brush your teeth in our clinic mm-hmm. and wasting all of this time, taking time off school. Yeah. So you need to be better as well yeah. as of course, all the other issues. But it seems like that one gets through where the parents are like, Oh crap. Yeah. He's going to yeah. act the time and inconvenience. Yeah. And then the cost he's crazy down enough the that road, he'll do it. Like, yeah. Yeah. If you have 20 cavities at the end of this yeah, or totally. decal, um, part of your new patient uh, delivery should be like bringing up, you can, if you just Google it or bring up YouTube decal, there are horrendous yeah. pictures oh, to yeah. scare the crap out of yeah. you. Um, and we show them that because I'm like, you really don't want this. We can't erase this. We can't whiten it. Yeah. We can't, we can't, there's really not a lot we can do. Um, and so oftentimes that's enough. I'll be like, remember that beginning picture? You're starting to get it. See right here, see right here. And then, yeah. you know, then yeah. they freak out. So. Exactly. So that's that. But in a perfect world, it's all happy days on the first visit and they're <laughs> yeah. doing well, wearing them well, everything's clean and tracking well because your plans are amazing. And uh, and then we move on. Um, well, I mean, d- there's dental monitoring and then there's quick chair side fixes. So those are probably some yeah. next steps we can talk about in our next podcast. And then we would get to refinement, like end of the yeah. set. Yeah. Because that's how Sounds easy it great. is. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the awesome. key to remember here is you're not always going to be perfect. No, I have like thousands of cases under my belt now, but there's still situations where like I'll have things that I didn't design properly Mm -hmm. or my patient's not wearing their trays properly and we have to do a mid-course correction, Mm -hmm. right? We have to jump in sooner. It happens. But the goal is how do you try to eliminate as many of those as possible by designing an intelligent ClinCheck and intelligent Mm -hmm. attachments so that you can just go ahead and you set it and you literally forget it. And you don't think about that patient for eight weeks or 12 weeks or 16 weeks, however long you go. And they come back and you're like, oh, my plan is amazing. Exactly. Um, because you you like know the rules of what you need to do. But if you just accept what a line gives you on your clincheck, 
you're going to have lots of times that you're going to need mid-course corrections. I'll promise you and, that. And the planning, like to the foundations course, which obviously I loved, um, setting up those systems and protocols and recipe cards for yourself that you keep repeating over and over. That's what prevents mistakes. Because we all get there, like we're rushing off to family vacation and then you're just doing this one like freehand. You, mm -hmm. you forget all your rules yeah. and you're just like freehanding it. That's the one that's going to bite you after you've been totally. very successful. Like us, like we, we've been doing this a long time. We're successful, but it's those those little ones where like, oh, forget the text edit, like text expander. I, I got this one. Yeah. I'm just going to write my notes. And then and you forget to say like no collision yeah. tolerance. Or you went, yeah, exactly. Or you end up with like an attachment showing up midway. They change an attachment midway, midway through treatment. Yeah. And you're like, I didn't write no attachment changes allowed during treatment. The patient shows up and you're like, well, why doesn't this tray fit? You look at the clinic check and you're like, oh, yeah. they changed an yeah. attachment halfway through for no obvious good reason. Yeah. I, I just forgot one of the basic things. Exactly. Like you said. Exactly. So cool. foundations, getting it started off like yeah. on the right foot and then yeah. like really strategically following through. And these first visits, second visits, refinements, you're treating those the exact same. We have like a strategy, like we, we have a flow and you might need to write it down at first for all your team members. Like this is how I want you to go through each of these appointments. Like ask them this, lean them back, do this, do this, do this. And then it just becomes, they're not even thinking it is. It's a regular routine and all of your mm -hmm. team is doing it the same way instead of like, okay, no, put your aligners back in, sit them up, lay them back. Yeah. <laughs> we, we all did, did that for years. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Where you're just bouncing yeah. around constantly. Yeah, yeah. awesome. Yeah. Well, that um, was fun. That uh, was for easy. anybody yeah, who wants to know more, I'll put this up on the screen here. Um, attachments and biomechanics is... Uh, a course that really goes through this content as well as the foundational systems, but mm -hmm. um, it's happening live in Calgary on June yeah. 9th through 11th at the Hotel Arts. So three day course Sweet. and yeah, very, very fun one. I love teaching it and yeah. a lot of doctors That's, have given yeah. feedback that it's one of their favorite courses to take. Yeah. And if you ever take a clearly line course and you don't find value in it or you're not happy or you don't think it was worth it, we'll give you all your money back. And we'll even give it you won't be that one. That's for sure. That's my, <laughs> my lifetime favorite. I love that one. So. Yeah. <laughs> that one and here's the thing. Intuition. You do, you do one extra case, you do one extra Invisalign case and you've paid for the course. Yeah. Oh so yeah. The value is there. It, crazy. Just, it makes so much sense. You'll, cool. you'll watch that course for a lifetime for sure. <laughs> it's fun. It's so much awesome. fun. Cool. All awesome. Right. Great chat. Well, have a Kelly. good night. Yeah, um, and too. we'll try to see you. I don't even know what month it is, but yeah. are we in <laughs> no, <right>? March? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> see you in, uh, in April, I think. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Take care. Okay. Bye.